So, we're coming to the end of our Fruitfulness on the Front Line series. And if you just joined us, we've been doing this for a few weeks. Where have you been? Um, We have been thinking about how God delights in us being us and and the opportunity. the, the, The whole series is about trying to have a new sense of our value, our purpose, and God's delight in us as well as a little bit of challenge about how we share God's love on our front lines. And we mean by that, I've already referred to it, and in the whole of that first part of learning together, we've been worshipping, I hope, you know, all the way through and thinking and learning. Wherever we meet people who don't know about Jesus or maybe just know a little bit about Jesus, um, etc., and, and, and God's delight and our value in that. And we've been reflecting as a church family something about, you know, this truth, I hope, that um, any of us, you know, on, and thank you, you know, through the resourcing we have here as a staff team, those of us who in any sense are in full-time ministry roles are serving all of you who are in ministry roles wherever you are. You are God's ministers. You are the missionaries. Um, of this of this church it's wonderful to have some specific mission partners as we call them in other in other countries but we have got whatever x number of hundred mission partners sitting right now in front of me and that sense of um, you you know receiving God's commission receiving God's appointment as the, the, the chaplain to, to your workplace, to your family, to your road, to that club, that society, you know, the pub, wherever you go, wherever your front lines are. And, and being a chaplain means you're there to care for people, you're there to love for people, you're there to, to bring the things of God into that situation, you're to be a, a messenger, to be a receiver and a giver. I, I, and apologies if you've heard me tell this story. One of my, I think one of my favourite, favourite little stories, anything to do with kind of the sense of how can we serve wherever we are, was the story about um, an American pastor who one week in their little church in, in rural America was asking people, how did you become a Christian? What, what caused you to become a Christian? We've asked that question already. Who told you about Jesus? And in this meeting, um, uh, someone came forward and gave their testimony. And their testimony was that they'd been visiting Australia. They'd been gone to Sydney. And in Sydney, there's a, a crossing at a place called King's Cross. And they were waiting at the traffic lights. And just literally before they were to set off as the green you know, symbol came up, they felt a tug on their sleeve. And they, they turned, and there was someone, obviously, who was, who was a homeless person, street, you know, street person, street sleeper person, who, before they had any chance to say, you know, why have you just done this, looked at him and said, sir, if you died tonight, where would you spend eternity? And the, the guy telling the testimony said, that question kind, would not go away, and it eventually it led me to finding out about Jesus and becoming a Christian. A church family just, you know, applauded and clapped. Three years later, they were doing the same thing, and somebody else who joined the church came forward and gave their testimony, and it was exactly the same. They'd been visiting Sydney, visiting Australia, standing at traffic lights, felt a tug, turned round. A guy who was clearly a street sleeper had said, if you were to die tonight, Where would you spend eternity? 
Well, they were astonished, of course. Now, according to to the story, the uh, pastor of that church had cause to go to Australia for a conference, Sydney, and couldn't stop himself, you won't be surprised, of going to go to King's Cross just to see. And yeah, there he was in this place, in King's Cross, just about to cross the road, tug on his sleeve, turn, there's a guy standing there, clearly street, street. before the guy has a chance to say, the pastor says to him, you're going to ask me if I die tonight where I will spend eternity. Yeah, how did you know? Pastor tells him the testimony that he's heard twice. Homeless guy, floods of tears. So I became a Christian 10 years ago. I had no idea how I could serve God. I've got nothing. How could I serve God? And I just resolved that I would do what I've been doing for 10 years, which is tugging people on the sleeve and asking my question. And this is the first time I've ever heard if there's been any fruit to that. I love that story because it's got all these elements, hasn't it? It's got this element of value and purpose, even in those challenging circumstances. Forgive me, I I don't actually know if it's a completely true story. I, I believe it is. But I love the sense that it speaks to me. I love the fact that it challenges me about, you know, any ways that I might feel inadequate for the task, any ways that I might be tempted to think, well, if only, if only, that actually it's saying to me, you know, what has God put in your hands? I I love the fact that it speaks to us about the fruitfulness that is part of the created order. You know the bookends of of scripture, don't you? You've got the Garden of Eden, how things are meant to be, fruitful. We've got the picture of what is coming at the end, revelation, fruitfulness, the Garden of Heaven. God's purposes we've been learning about in this series are for us to be fruitful. He wants us to be fruitful on our front lines. And I love the fact that that story contains that sense of how that person heard how their small acts on their particular front line bore the most amazing fruit. It's not about a formula, is it? It's it's about a relationship with a person. We've already had the Great Commission verses. If he's going to just pop those up on the screen for us again. Um, Fee, can we put that up? Thank you. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So here they are right at the end of Matthew, right at the end of Jesus' story on earth. They go to a mountain again. God meets so often through scripture on the high places, doesn't he? When they saw him, they worshipped him. That was their first action, but some doubted. Don't don't you love, you know, everyone to think about the authenticity of scripture. If you were writing this and making it up afterwards, you wouldn't put something like that in. You wouldn't say that some of the first disciples still doubted. If you were glossing the story, you would just say, they all worshipped him because they kind of knew the end. You know, no, some doubted. Anyone here doubting? Don't dismiss yourself because you're in good company. You have to have doubts in order to have faith. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You want to know about who Jesus is? You want to know about his claim to divinity? Here's a key, key place. So the Father, God the Father, is, he's got all authority in Jesus. And here he is. And he's calling them, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. 
You won't find an explanation, a neat explanation of the Trinity anywhere in Scripture, but there are plenty of places. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is who God is. Teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. There's obedience required. There's command. I love that song we sung earlier about God's my mate. True, but it's also true the words about holiness. That God is not applying for the job, as the evangelist J. John says. God is God. He is almighty God. And there is obedience in this. Jesus saying everything I've commanded you. This is a commission for us all. Do you remember we were talking earlier a few weeks ago in this series that you are salt and light. You're not wondering about becoming salt and light. You're not thinking, I might, if I do a few years of apprenticeship as a follower of Jesus, then I'll be salt and light. You are salt and light. We are. We're commanded to obey the things of Jesus. And this is a commission for us all to go and make disciples. And the promise, I'm surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The promise of the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's all about invitation, isn't it? It's all about invitation for people just to explore what we have explored. It's that tug on somebody's sleeve. And then it's the posing of whatever would be the appropriate question. Questions always take people further, don't they? Jesus, nine times out of ten, asks a question, doesn't make a statement, doesn't preach. In Cornelius, last week, was helping us think about that. What's the question that those on your front lines have got? Those people you're going to see tomorrow, you're going into a board meeting. What's the questions behind the question? You're looking at the spreadsheets, but what are the questions behind the question? You're going into a school setting. What are the questions that people are asking? Back at home, your partner who doesn't believe in this thinks you're mad to waste your Sunday morning. What are their questions? Your neighbours, what are their questions? In our society right now, what are people's questions? And how does God's story Speak into those questions. I love what a guy called Walter Brueggemann says about about preaching. That when you're preaching, you're lifting the veil on all of the kingdom truth that connects with our story. Here's our story, but we lift the veil to see God's bigger picture. The God who died on the cross for you. The God who values you this much. The God who is with you. The God who has said the same power in Jesus that raised him from the dead is now in you. The God who is cheering you on. The God who loves you as you are. Yes, wants you to become even more and more like Jesus. He won't leave you as you are. The God who says, it's because of who you are. It's because of your idiosyncrasies. It's because you can't dance very well, or certainly not as much as your wife. I can use you. It's because of your friends. It's because of your story. It's because of your mess-ups. It's because of the things that you've got wrong and you've tried to learn from. It's because of how your brain is wired. That I can use you. I value you. So here we are, the last one of this series is just asking the question, what's the journey ahead? I love the fact that, that uh, I've got to carry this bit of, it's going to go through the wash several times, I know. But I love the fact that that's there, that'll be a little reminder to me, won't it? What's, what's that? What's that? 
for the journey ahead? What's the reminder that you're taking? What are the, what are the things that God, there's a, there's a, I won't say the name because there's a J here for me. It's my little reminder about J. For the journey ahead, what does God want to give you? I love, the, I love the story about the idiot bank robber who went into a bank, shouted out, it's a robbery, put the, put the bag over their head that they had brought, the paper bag, and only at that point realised they'd forgotten to cut out the holes, walked straight into a pillar, knocked themselves out. Are you a preparer? Are you going to go on holiday this year? You know, you've got some stuff that you're doing. Do you, do you prepare and do you plan? I love all of the build-up to the holiday. I prepare and I think about it. And then I really upset Nikki. By on, even on the journey to the ferry, I go, well, it's nearly over now, isn't it? She's <laughs> true, she said. Do you prepare a lot in advance? Or are you uh, a fly, you know, in the moment? Well, God, God is, I think, asking us... How are we going to do this journey ahead out of all that we've been thinking about? Accepting who we are, valuing who we are in him. Hearing his call, not refusing to go with that little narrative in our brain that tells us out of a Western educational model. Oh, you need to have gone to Vicar Factory before you can do this stuff. You need to, you know, it's more, you know, oh, full-time minute, that's the rubbish, absolute rubbish. Where's the church growing the biggest? Where's the church of Jesus Christ growing the biggest in the world? Where there aren't people like me standing up on places like this. Where there are people like us who are just meeting, who are sharing the story of Jesus. This is what Jesus has done for me. We heard, didn't we, a few weeks ago when we had some friends from Bangladesh and they were just saying that as they speak to people from, from the Muslim faith, they were speaking those, the, 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 the assurance of salvation. You know, so, so much for us to learn from um, those who are Muslims about their dedication to the Lord, about their belief in the, in the holiness of God. In their willingness to set aside time. So much that we could learn. But the question, the thing they haven't got is assurance of salvation. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what happens when they die. You've got friends who don't know what's going to happen when they die. But they never talk about it, Andrew. Well, friends, it's not because they're not thinking about it. They don't talk about it because it's easier not to talk about it. Or they'll say something like, well, yeah, maybe we come back. I have a spirit animal. There's lots of little bits of reincarnation, isn't it? In the smorgasbord, the sort of buffet of spirituality in our society. Well, I don't really think death is the end completely. Maybe we just come back. Your friends, your families, your front lines need you. And you have been co-missioned to, to be with Jesus in this. I'm, I'm, I know I'm saying things that so many of us know. Now, of course, where do we start? Well, we start, don't we, not with a formula, but we start with the focus on our relationship with Jesus. Are you a worshipper? Are you really a worshipper of Jesus? Because that's where the co-mission starts. And, of course, worship is the whole of our lives, isn't it? It's the offering of everything. We did that on week one or, or two of this series. Are we truly offering to God all of ourselves? Or do we compartmentalize? Offer a bit here, but I'm not going to offer this bit there. You know, I hate the phrase work-life balance. Complete rubbish. You don't borrow from work for life and borrow from life for work. It's one holistic life. 
God doesn't compartmentalize in this way. He wants us to offer all of our life, including the way that we might work or be active, as well as the way we rest. The world has a culture that's trying to mold, your, mold us away from it. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm, I'm great, actually. Really relaxed. I haven't done much this week. I took a lot of time off, went for some walks with the kids, really enjoyed the fact I didn't have much work to do. How would you react if I said that? Or would you rather that I say, well, pretty busy, but, you know, balancing. There's some you know, battles and blessings. There's some... Now, that's what I say to you because I... I'm a bit scared about saying, I had a really easy week this week. I'm taking all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Who's molding the conversation? Well, you know, my rubbish. But my rubbish is a worldly, busy rubbish, isn't it? Do we admire people who aren't busy? Oh, I'm sure something will come along soon, if you're lucky. The Bible pattern is to be filled and go on being filled, isn't it, by the Holy Spirit. The verbs in Scripture in the New Testament are always in that now and keep going. We don't, it's not a one-off being filled. This process, sanctification, the process of the Holy Spirit at work inside of us, transforming us from the inside out, comes from focus on Jesus, worship of Jesus, relationship with Jesus. Yes, this is my... Reminder, my several month reminder of our rule of life. We have these little leaflets. We have four headings for the whole of life. Trying to sort of think about prayer and scripture, rest, relationships, work and service. Holistic, don't compartmentalize, no work-life balance, the whole thing. Now you already have a rule of life. I have a rule of life. I have habits that I follow. The question this course and this teaching has been asking us, are the habits you have in your daily life producing the fruit that you would hope to see? Are your current habits producing the fruit that you hope to see and believe you're called to see in your life? And where are you going to attend? You might not like these headings. They've got a bit of Christian heritage to them. Find your own. Where would the Lord say to you right now, you want to be fruitful on that front line? Just have a think about those headings right now. Maybe you'll get time this summer, some of us will get time this summer, praise God, to sit and think and reflect. What are my habits when it comes to obvious things like prayer and scripture, fasting, sabbathing? I get the luxury of being able to Sabbath from 7pm on a Friday to 7pm on a Saturday. That's, that's part of how you free me through your giving to be able to do what I do. Some of you won't be able to do that. But where are those moments where you just stop and you adopt the posture of God? God is the God who got to the end of the creating bit and it looked and it was good. Shalom, peace, everything in its right order. Sabbath. God's not busy. <laughs> In the sense of, I'd love to help you, but, you know. What's the Lord saying to you? There's a Spanish proverb. Habits start as cobwebs, but eventually become cables if they're followed. And in this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, what's the fruit? Here's the fruit. Here's a, a list. You, you'll have to press on the buttons feed to make it come up. The fruit one. Love, joy. Click. Please, thank you. And click, and click. Isn't it amazing? 
Are you seeing this fruit in your life? On your front line? Are these the things that the people you see on your front line would speak of you? Oh, right. Yes, you're right. Thank you for spotting that. That was deliberate to make you read the list. (laughs) Or not. It's very sanitary when you go to funerals, isn't it? And you hear the tributes. What will they say about us? I know that's sharp. We've just experienced that as a family. What will they say about us? Andrew was a really good manager and organiser. Andrew brought love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. You want to see more of that fruit, then, then it's going to be about your relationship with Jesus, isn't it? It's going to be about focus on your relationship, worshipping him. Because it all flows from the relationship with Jesus and then through the work of the Spirit in us. Do you want to see more use of gifts? Do you want to know what your gifts are? Here's just a summary as opposed to the complete list. There aren't any complete lists in Scripture, by the way. Pretty clear there's an overflow from Paul. Gifts of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, distinguishing between spirits. Gifts of speech, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. What's God saying to us now? Gifts of power, faith, healing to do miracles. We all share all of the fruit. We each have at least one gift. It'll be the habits that you have that will enable you to discover more about these things for use on your front lines. Do you know what your gift is? Or gifts, plural. If not, why not? If not, why not? How are you offering? How are you coming before the Lord to listen? Do you ever ask and listen to God? Because being with Jesus and then becoming more like Jesus leads into doing more of the things that Jesus did. This is discipleship. Romans 12, 6 to 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. By the way, sometimes people say that this is a gifts list as well. I'm just interpreting using this in a particular way. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, bind up people, care for people, do it cheerfully. On our front lines, sometimes we use the language, don't we, of green spaces. There's a little image that I use where our kind of yellow Christian self and the blue world meet in the green fertile fertile space. Billy Graham said, the Bibles, we are the Bibles, people are reading, the sermons, the world is heeding. Do you know your gifts? Do you know how God wants to use you? Are you seeing the fruit that you hope on your front lines? If you're not, or if you want more, what are the habits that you're going to adopt? What's the attitude you're going to have? I love this little story, finally, to finish from 2 Kings 6.15. It's a slightly, it's an interesting story, lots of different dynamics about what's going on. I haven't got time to go through it. But this is a story about our perspective on things. You think about those front lines. 
You think about where you're going to be serving, that person you're going to want to reach. I wonder if you've got a kingdom perspective. This is where we'll finish this teaching series as we go into the summer and everything that God has for us as a church. 2 Kings 6.15. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning. So the, the situation here is there's a battle going on and the king of Aram is at war with Israel. And what's been happening is that the king of Israel has had a prophet who has been able to consistently, Elisha's consistently been able to warn him about the traps that were being laid. And the king of Aram is upset, has heard it's the prophet who's, who's constantly thwarting his plans and so sends an army to kill him. When the servant of the man of God, Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh no, my lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. So servants looking, surrounded by enemies, no way out. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. As the enemy came down toward him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike this army with blindness. So he struck them in blindness as Elisha had asked. The servant's going to run for his life. No way out. Nothing that can be done. Surrounded by enemies. Andrew, you don't know what my front line is like. You know, if I talk too openly about Jesus, I might get the sack. Everyone's against me. You know, all this. Yes, absolutely yes. And I'm with you in prayer if that's your story. However, where's your focus? Is it on the enemies and the challenge? Or is it on the God who is with you and surrounds you? who's there already in that meeting room. They're already on that school gate. They're already in your home. They're already in that family party you're not looking forward to. They're already. They're already. And if you look, you will see the chariots of fire. The the whole army of heaven cheering you on with you if you're willing to look and see.